والحمد لله والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وأصحابه ومن تمسك بسنته بإحسان إلى يوم الدين أما بعد after praising Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and sending the salutations upon the messenger alayhi salatu wassalam and upon his family, his companions and upon all those who follow upon his guidance into the establishment of the last day to proceed ya khuan Allahumma inna na'udhu bika min ilmi la yinfa' wa min qalbi la yifsha' ومن نفس لا تشبع ومن دعاء لا يسمع ورني يا الله We seek refuge with you from knowledge that has no benefit and from a heart that has no fear and from a soul that has no satisfaction, no contentment and from a dua that goes an answer from a dua that goes an answer To proceed يا إخوان فنواصل معكم في هذه الليلة المباركة الكريمة so we continue in this blessed and noble night of ours, second day eight, in the assistance of our Lord, and the most merciful, and the most the most merciful, the most compassionate. As we continue to learn, be careful, Yahi, and derive benefit from Mada, the science of Al Fiqh. مع إمامنا وشيخنا الشيخ عبد الرحمن ابن ناصر السعدي رحمه الله تعالى رحمه الله تعالى as we're reading from the works of the noble Imam الشيخ السعدي may Allah have mercy upon him طيب فوصلنا إلى الباب إزالة النجاسة والأشياء النجسة so we have arrived at the chapter, the removal or removing of those impure things, those najasa, and those things that are filthy or impure. فَقَالَ عَلَّامَ رَحِمَهُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى So the Imam, the eminent shaykh, he continues or he mentions, وَيَكْفِي فِي غَصْلِ جَمِيعِ النَّجَاسَاتِ عَلَى الْبَدْنِ And it's sufficient I think we read this in form. It's sufficient regarding uh, washing those things that are najasa or from the najasat. If it falls on your body, it's sufficient to just wash it one time. Or if the thing that is from the najasat falls on your garment or is in your area, other than that, it's sufficient to just wash this filthy or this impure thing one time. He says, this is yakfi, this is sufficient. And tazura aynuha anil mahal. That is sufficient that you just wash it and remove the thing itself. Aynuha itself from your body, your clothing, or your area. Say for example, uh, something gets on you, some pee, are you right here? No. Would you like... How would you wash that? You take, for example, some cloth, material, uh, a blanket, a cover, uh, a rack, so you take this cloth or you take this wash rag or the towel or the lights and you use this to help you remove the thing. For example, you have some urine on your garment. So you take something, you put some water on it, for example, and you remove the urine from your garment one time. The point is that you remove it from your garment. Or you have some water itself in a bucket and you pour the water on this particular garment. The point here is that you remove that urine. It's not the how. You can use your hand. You can use wipes. 
You can use uh, a piece of a garment from a, a piece of a material from a garment and you cleanse that area. Uh, you take a, a brush and you scrub it off, for example. At any rate, the point is there's nothing that says how many times you have to do that. There's no ayah, there's no hadith that says there's no proof that says if you get some urine on you, you have to wash it five times, seven times, eleven times. There's no proof that says that. The only proof regarding the number of removing something that is najis is the dog. Is it going to come inshallah the hadith of for example, the only time you're going to see the number, Yaikhwan, how many times the hadith is going to come, inshallah, if Rahajah mentioned it in, in Baluk also, is Saba'a. Some scholars they say eight, they differ on the ma'na, the meaning. But hey, some say the first of the seven, you use dirt. Some say you wash with seven, and then the eighth is dirt. They differ. Al Muhim, Al Adat, Munhasidun, Fi, Al Mada, Al Qadiyya, Al Titta'alaku bil Kalim, Al Titta'alaku bil Kalim. The point here, the only time you're going to find the number from the ayah and the hadith regarding removing something impure is the dog. The li'ab, the fluid of the mouth, the saliva of the dog. And the scholars, they differ. Is the dog itself najis? Some say the dog, the whole dog is najis. Some scholars say no, it's not. The dog is not najis. وَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ أَنَّ الْيَعَابَ الْكَلْبِ لَيْسَ بِنَجَاسَةِ وَلَيْسَ بِنَجِسِ وَقَالَ بَعْضُهُمْ أَنَّهُ نَجِسِ Even the saliva itself. Some say the saliva is not najis. Other scholars say, no, you're commanded to cleanse it, so this is a proof that it's najis. Some scholars say, no, it's not najis, but it's something in the saliva itself. And this is what you have to purify or cleanse yourself from, but it doesn't mean that the dog is not najis or the saliva is najis. And that's a strong argument from the people of Al-Fiqh. The people of Al-Fiqh. And the ulama al-Malikiyya, al-Kalba, wal-Li'ab al-Kalba, laysa bin Najis. The scholars of the Maliki Madhab, most of them, they have a position that the dog is not Najis, nor is the saliva Najis. Wallahu a'lam. Tafadr Shaykh. Is it true like, um, just the... I think it's something else in the hadith. When you, that's an argument some say that is najis, but some of the, the, the scholars they use, you can't say, Some scholars they say, you can't say anything is najis unless you have proof. And they're strong. So they differ the likes of that. When you have skin of an animal, if you die, for example, you die that, that skin, now becomes allow, or you can wear it, or the likes. Or the dog itself, the saliva of the dog. The fact that you're cleansing yourself from the saliva, does this show as nudges? Some say yes, some say no. The point is, you have to have some clear proof to say that something is, is impure. You have to have proof from the Quran and from the Sunnah. So for this reason, you're going to find many of the ulama yakhtalifun. Khasatan min ulama'i al-fiqh. Al-ulama al-fiqh. Especially the scholars of al-fiqh. They differ a lot, ni ikhwan, in the issues like this. No. Al-muhim, natba'aw. ماذا نتابع الأدلة ما استطعنا إليه سبيلا ما استطعنا إليه سبيلا you follow you do your research on the proofs don't stop on هذا الشيخ يقول كذا وشيخ آخر يقول كذا لا لأن هذا الجدال لا ينتهي هذا الجدال 
Try your best as soon as the knowledge. Don't make your research. This shake said this, and this shake said that. Well, this shake said this, and this shake said that, and this shake oh, she said that. No, make your research. What's the adilla the shake is using? Midalan, we give an example. Write this hadith down here. On the authority of Abu Hurairah. May Allah be pleased with him. The Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he said. The Messenger alayhi salatu wasalam, he said. إِذَا وَلَغَ الْكَلْبُ إِذَا وَلَغَ الْكَلْبُ فِي إِنَاءِ أَحَدِكُمْ فِي إِنَاءِ أَحَدِكُمْ فَلْيَغْسِلْهُ سَبَعَ مَرَّاتِ فَلْيَغْسِلْهُ سَبَعَ مَرَّاتِ أُولَاهُنَّ بِالْتُرَابِ أُولَاهُنَّ بِالْتُرَابِ الحديث the Messenger of Allah, he says, if the kalb he licks, his saliva gets on a vessel or utensil of any one of you. Then wash that vessel, that utensil, that glass, that cup, seven times. Then wash it seven times. The first of the washing, use dirt. The first of the seven, use dirt. This hadith is collected by Imam Al-Bukhari wa Muslim. في إناء أحدكم فليغسله سبع مرات فليغسله سبع مرات أولاهن بالتراب أولاهن بالتراب If the dog licks or his saliva gets on the vessel of one of you then let him the person of that vessel wash it Seven times. The seven, the seven of these washings. Use dirt. Use dirt. Wash it with dirt. Meaning, use the dirt. No water. Just purify it with dirt. What do we benefit from this hadith? Al-Fayda to Ula. Benefit number one. Shumuliyatu. Benefit number one. The comprehensiveness and the completion of this religion. The comprehensiveness. Islam talks about everything. Allah Islam is shamil, comprehensive. Kamil, complete. Complete. Benefit number two. Some scholars from this hadith, some scholars from this hadith, they say, the saliva of the dog is najis. وَسَدَلُّونَ بِي مِثْلِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ مِثْلِي هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ And they use as a proof this hadith. They use as a proof this hadith. أَثَعْلِذَةُ بَنَبَ نَمْبَ ثْرِي عِنْدَ جَمْعِ عِنْدَ جَمْعِ مِنَ الْعُلَمَةِ عِنْدَ جَمْعِ مِنَ الْعُلَمَةِ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ لا يدل على أن بلوغ الكلب نجس. بنبي نمبر ثري. 
Some scholars from this hadith say the hadith is not saying that the saliva of the dog is najis. The Prophet did not say the saliva is najis. So the scholars are different. Let's say the hadith again, Yahwan. إِذَا وَلَغَ الْكَلْبُ فِي إِنَاءِ أَحَدِكُمْ فَلِقْسِلْهُ سَبْعَ مَرَّاتِ وَلَهُنَّ بِالْتُرَابِ If the dog licks, his saliva gets on the vessel, the utensil of any one of you. Then let him wash it seven times. The first of the washing, let him wash it with dirt. Meaning, let him use the dirt, the soil, to purify the vessel. Some scholars say this is a proof that the wulu, the li'ab of the dog, the saliva, is impure. Some say that. Others say, where is it saying that? This is an ikhtilaf of the scholars of al-fiqh. The scholars of al-fiqh. No. Why the kathiri, Akhwan? And it happens a lot. So if it touches your skin, methanan, you just, you just remove it. قَالَ بَعْضُ الْعُلَمَاءِ هَذَا الْحَدِيثِ سَبْعَ مَرَّاتِ خَاصٌ بِالْإِنَامِ Another benefit, you students of al-fiqh. Some scholars say here, the Prophet said, licks a vessel. He didn't say a garment. He didn't say on you. He says, أَحْدِكُمْ On a vessel, a glass, utensil, a cup, a jar. Of one of you. Then let him wash it seven times. Some scholars say, see, this is the way if the dog licks on the vessel. Imam Ahmed says that. He's going by the hadith. The Prophet didn't say the dog licks you, licks your throat. He didn't say that. So the seven, what appears to be more correct, the seven washing, washings, or the washing with the seven and the number of the seven, is regarding the vessel, as the Prophet said. As the Prophet said. Some say that. Then why, why, why they justify that the because they say it's something in the wuluq, in the li'a. It's something, they say the Prophet is not commanding that you purify yourself from it, from the vessel, because itself is impure. But it's something inside of it. That's why the Prophet said, wash it with the dirt. The dirt is going to help. The bacteria or some of the scientists they say is something in the dog of in the saliva of the dog that under a microscope you can see it. Where did they get that? That's something in the saliva. They just, that's what they're deriving. It's not in the words of the hadith. It's not in like that. There's no way in the Quran, nowhere, you're gonna find. Allah says the morning prayer is obligatory. Nowhere. Huh? Tfadl? And the morning prayer, but really the morning prayer is witnessed. Where does it say it's obligatory? That's how some of the scholars of fiqh are. Right? Where is the wording where Allah says it's obligatory? The face veil. Ma Allah, ma nabi, wajib. We have the lawful one with this expression, with this wording. Allah didn't say covering the face obligatory. The Prophet didn't say covering the face obligatory with this phrase. The categories of tawheed. Some say four, some say three, some say two. Allah didn't say that. The Prophet didn't say that. The categories of words in Arabic, there are three. Ismun, fi'lun, harf. A noun, a verb, and a particle. Ma'qalahullah, ma'qalahunabi. Allah didn't say that. The Prophet didn't say that. And tomorrow, you guys with me? Ta'ayyat. Man ayna atal ulama. Where did the scholars get this from, ya khwan? At-tatabbur. What is the Quran? Memorize this, this term, ya khwan. This is a principle. At-tatabbur. What is the Quran? Ta'ayyat. What is the Quran? The, the studying and the investigating, the dissecting of the words of Allah and the studying and dissecting and investigating the words of the Messenger in the Arabic language or the likes. So here, some of the ulama, although the Prophet didn't say that, verbally, 
They derive. This is the meaning of it. Mithal al-akhar. Example number three. Ma qala Allah ta'ala qira'atu al-fatihati wajibatun fi salah. Wa ma qalahu nabiyu alayhi salatu salam bihada talafum. Allah didn't say in the Quran, reading al-fatiha in the prayers obligatory. The Prophet of Allah did not say, reading al-fatiha is obligatory. With this wording, that al-fatiha is obligatory to recite. The Messenger of he says, la salata al-hadith. Min hadith abhi huayla. There is no prayer. Liman lam yaqra' bi fatihat al-kitab. For the one who does not recite the mother of the book. The words he's saying is obligatory. He didn't say that. لا صلاة لمن لم يقرأ بفاتحة الكتاب. There's no prayer for the one who does not recite the mother of the book. Right? Where is he saying it's obligatory? Nowhere. It's the right. It's understood from his wording. There's no prayer, so you have no salah means you have to recite it. So this is called the tabur. What is the Quran? This is called the istinbatan. When the scholars deduce, they look at the ayat. Allah is not saying it verbally. No, but the meaning of what Allah Ta'ala is saying. Example number four. بعض العلماء أحق الناس بالبر الوالدان مطلقا وهذا الراجح الله أعلم. Example number four. Who has more right to your obedience? More right to your kindness? More right to your gentleness? There are two opinions. The strongest opinion, your parents. Nobody has more right, nobody has more right than your parents. الرجلو والمرأة, a man or a woman. والقول الثاني للمرأة زوجها, للمرأة زوجها. Second opinion, who has more right to your obedience, who has more right to your ease and your gentleness, who has more right to your kindness and your nobility. Second opinion, for the woman, her husband. For the woman, her husband. Some scholars say the husband has more right and then your mother and then your father. Allah never said that. The Prophet never said that. They derive that from narrations. The strongest opinion is that your parents have more right even over your husband. قَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِي سُورَةِ النِّسَاءِ وَاعْبُدُ اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُ بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا An ayah. Allah Ta'ala says, And worship Allah and Allah alone. And do not describe partners with him in anything. The next commandment, and be kind and gentle and obedient to your parents. Many of the ulama say this is a strong proof that the parents, especially your mother, has more right even over a husband. Where are they getting that from? Allah Ta'ala ya'mur bi thalathati asha fi ayah. Allah commands with three commands in this verse. At-tawheed wa shirk Three commandments. A tawheed, a shirk, and then from mankind, your parents. Some scholars say, This argument is strong. No matter what you believe. I'm not trying to, we don't try to change people's opinions. We give what we understand from the scholars about Islam. We told you before, memorize this phrase, Masi. Tie it. Like it, who likes it, hate it, who hates it. We try our best to make Islam clear. That's it. Somebody may say, hey, I believe that the husband has more right. No problem. Some scholars say that. Somebody else say, hey, the parents have more right. Alhamdulillah. I agree with you. No problem. We're not saying the other person is wrong. No. The proofs. What's the proof that shows that? There's a hadith. The meaning of the hadith, the messenger of Allah, the hadith of the Imam Ahmed, the messenger of Allah, he says, the Prophet said, if I would have commanded anyone, and this hadith is strong too, if, listen to the wording, if I were to command someone to prostrate to someone else, I would have commanded the woman to prostrate to her husband. That's strong. Number one, he said, if. He said, if. 
Also, the remainder of the hadith says to show uh, because of the responsibility he has over her. So this hadith is not talking about worship. The Prophet gave the meaning to show the mas'uliyatahu alayha, to show the right, the responsibility that he has over her. That's the reason of the hadith. It doesn't mean worship. No, that's shirk. If a woman prostrates to her husband, that's shirk. It doesn't mean that. It's showing the virtue that the man has over the woman. The man is not like the woman in Islam. The husband is above. This does not show that the husband, since he's responsible for the woman, he's better. No. No, Ikhwan. Most of our women, if not all of our women, are better than us. Most of. That's our opinion. This doesn't mean that the man is better because he has a status over the woman. No, Ikhwan. Someone can be responsible and someone else can be better. And someone else can be better. At any rate, these are all examples of what the scholars derive. Another example. Al-mani. Ma hukmu? The fluid that comes from the man. The mani. The sperm. Tahir. Some scholars say tahir. Some scholars say najis. That's a proof, huh? Accent. That's a proof that some scholars use to say that it's pure. It comes in the Sahih of Imam Muslim and Bukhari. Aisha used to cleanse. May Allah give us women like Aisha. May Allah make it easy. Our mothers and our wives and our daughters. Look at Aisha, Ikhwan. We're not saying do this. I'm not. <laughs> I don't want the women to say, hey, now you're trying to tell us. I gotta touch. I gotta touch that. Nobody's saying that, sister. We're not saying that. We're saying, look at your mother, Aisha. Look at what she used to do. The Messenger of Allah had some of the many, the sperm, on his garment. And Aisha used to cleanse it sometimes with her hand. She would scrape it off. With her hand. Some scholars say, hey, if it was nudges, how could she touch it? It's not like proof. You can touch something that's nudges and then cleanse your hands. But if it's nudges, she wouldn't have touched it with her hand. She would have used something else. Some scholars say that the money is nudges. What's their proof? And That's strong, but it's not that strong. What do they say? The proof that is impure is that when this fluid comes from your body, no matter how it comes, you have a sleep and you have a wet dream, you're with a woman and you have the relation, uh, relation with your wives and the fluid comes, you're sitting there and you're a young person, you can't control yourself and next thing you know, the fluid comes. No matter how it, <laughs> no matter how it comes, you have to make a ghusl. The only time you don't have to make a ghusl is what? You don't have no water? Oh. Another time, there too. You don't have any water, you have to make the young one. Or, you, eh? too cold, you can say that. Make that one more, make it more honorable. If you have like something on your body that preventing you from... You don't have the ability. You don't have, maybe you're injured. Maybe you can't, maybe you can't. Whatever the issue is, you don't have water. I have water, but I can't get to the water. So, you don't have the ability to. You don't have no water, or I don't have the ability to make a ghusl. The man is traveling. Sometimes the brothers that's in jail, they go through that. They're in the hole. They're in the hole. He has a wet dream. How the man is in the hole. He has a wet dream. He says, hey, I can't pray like this. Do I pray? Yes, you pray. How do I pray? I have to make a ghusl. Yes, you have to make a ghusl, but you don't have the ability to make a ghusl. So what do I do? You pray Allah to the best of your ability. You don't just sit and say, hey, there's no prayer for me. No prayer. No, you have to pray. You have to pray. At any rate, this is some uh, examples of how the scholars, they differ.
The scholars of fiqh, where are their focus? What do they focus on? Rulings. Rulings. The scholars of, of, of al fiqh, their focus, their central focus is what is derived from the, the, the text. What is the text saying? Not the actual wording. What is this saying here? Ulama al muhaddithun yurakizuna ala sihhati al hadith. Sihhati al hadith. The ulama of al hadith, their focus is is this authentic? Did the Prophet of Allah really say that or not? So the two focuses. The scholars of al fiqh are giving you this hadith means this. You can derive from this hadith this. The benefit of this hadith is this. The scholars of hadith may not be like that. هذا لماذا العلماء ينصحون بالجمع بين الحديث والفقه بين الحديث والفقه هذا الأولى. That's why the scholars recommend that you do both. You study hadith and you study fiqh. You don't just memorize the words of the Messenger You don't just memorize the ayat. No, learn what they mean. What they mean. What is the Prophet saying here? What is Allah Ta'ala saying here? Learn the meanings to the best of our abilities. So the scholars differ. Some say, you may look at this hadith and say, hey, that's clear. The saliva is najis. Where is the Prophet saying that? You may say, he's commanding you to wash it. Yes, he is. That don't mean it's najis. When you have a relation with your wife and the fluids come, or your privates touch and no fluids come. There are two times you have to make a ghusl. Your brothers that are married, when your private touches her private, you have to make a ghusl. Or the fluid comes. If one of these things happen, or both, you have to make a ghusl. Does this mean that this many that comes out is najis? Because you have to make a ghusl, that's the argument they're making. And that's a strong argument. The strongest opinion of Allah is that the saliva is najis. And Allah knows best. Some scholars say that, other scholars say other than that. And both of the positions are goodness. You're commanded to wash it, but are you washing it because it's najis or not? Allah You're commanded to wash it, wash it. That bats, the dog, this allows you the dog for hunting. Right? You can do that. That bats. There's no, no contradiction there. You're going to cleanse it. But do you cleanse it seven times? The answer is no. This is talking about the vessel. So you're using the dog for hunting. The dog kills the animal, mashallah ta'ala. You say, Bismillah. You cleanse that animal. Alhamdulillah. You cook it. Bismillah. After you cleanse it. Right? Is the saliva of the dog impure? Some say it is. Some say it's not. In this one, what about the water? Like if there's a cat, and if the saliva of the dog into the, like the water, mm -hmm. can you drink that water? Can you from that water? Can you make wudu from that water? The condition was smell, taste, and. Like to talk about we implement the principles here. Even if you say the saliva is najis, it falls into a dalwa of ma, a bucket of water. We're going to look at three things. Even if you saw the dog drinking it, that's going to come another hadith. It was a well, but the dog was drinking from the well. The well was water that flows. You have a bucket of water, a dog drinks in that water, and you see the dog. No doubt about it. You're looking at it. No doubt. I see the little dog. Hey, 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 get out of here. Can I make wudu from that water or not? It depends. What does it depend on? The taste, the scent, the taste, the smell, and the color, and the amount of water. If it's a small amount of water, you're always going to look at these three. Always. That's a strong opinion. You're always going to look at all three. Taste, smell, and color. 
you also have to look at the amount. If it's a small amount of water, then most likely that thing is gonna overpower the water. If the taste changes, the color changes, or the smell. If it's a lot of water, then most likely that water will overpower that thing. But you still have to look at it. Right? You still have to look at it. Wallah. The hadith from the Messenger of Allah says, Inna al which the Messenger of Allah said, water does not become impure. He's not talking about all water. No, the water that's of a great body. Of a great body. This water is so much water, nothing can make it impure. The water is going to overpower whatever falls in it. We go to the river and we see a walid, yabulu, fi al We see the boy, he's urinating in the pool, in the water. We see him. But it's so much water. This water, yudafir, anil bowl. The water is going to overpower the urine. It's going to flush it out. It's too much water. Nothing can make it impure. It's too much water. Right? But if it's a, a body of water, a bucket of water, perhaps the urine is going to be stronger than the water. It depends on the amount. That's a good point, Yerkwa. May Allah bless you. It's a good point. Right? No. Hadha qala ba'd al-ulama. Al-ilmu la yaj'aluka, Yerkwaan, an tunkira kulla shay. La abadan. This is why many of the scholars they say knowledge doesn't make you just refute this and refute that and be against this and be against that. Many issues. Imam Ahmed will say, Allah, I don't know. Allah, 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 Allah. Especially those issues that the scholars differ in with proofs. Not this hadith is weak, this hadith is weak, that ayah is abrogated. Not like that. There's some proof here, authentic proof. But there's some proof here too. He would say many times, Allah, 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 Allah. Knowledge doesn't make you have to refute everything. Sometimes it amazes me on the YouTube and the Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. Every argument, people are chiming in. And it's like we're trying to show off our knowledge. Seeking knowledge doesn't make you show off your knowledge. Never, Never. Knowledge doesn't make the person arrogant. I have to show off what I learned. I studied in Africa. I have to show the people that the African ulama are not like that. That's an ignorant person, I studied in, in, in Pakistan. People forget about the scholars in Pakistan. I'm gonna revive, I'm gonna show the people. Not like that, Knowledge makes you humble. Knowledge doesn't make you argue every point of view, every post, every comment, every book, every magazine. You have to refute everything. No, knowledge makes you sometimes say, Allah, I don't know. Ask someone else. Sheikh Raslan, one of the strongest scholars in Egypt right now. Still alive. Some scholars say he's from the major scholars in Egypt. Sheikh Muhammad ibn Sa'id Raslan. Muhammad Sa'id Raslan. He doesn't answer questions. From the strongest scholars alive in Egypt. Sheikh Abdul Mursin al Abbad, Min Ulama al Hadith, Fil Medina, Al An. Fi Kathira min Masail, La Yujibu Anha. Yakut Isalri, Isalri, Isalri. Ma indi ilmun an Hadal Amr. Oh, keep men keep out of Ulama fil Hadith. The Sheikh Abdul Mursin al Abbad, from the greatest scholars still alive today of Hadith. Of Hadith. Still alive today. He doesn't answer questions a lot. And most times you find him. He says, hey, I don't have the knowledge to answer that. He says, Sheikh, if you don't have the knowledge, who does? This man memorized almost every hadith book out, still alive today, in Medina. He memorized Bukhari, Emerson, Tirmidhi, Nasa'i, Abu Dawood. MashaAllah. And he would say, hey, ma indi ilmun, fasal ghayri, barakallahu feek. He would say, I don't have knowledge of this issue. Ask someone else. That takes knowledge. No, if he doesn't have knowledge to answer. He's not saying he doesn't possess knowledge. Okay. He's saying, I don't have knowledge of this. I can't answer you. I don't have an answer for you about what you're asking me. Right. Especially if some people get offended. You have many women come to you with marital issues and they say, hey, grant me a divorce. Grant me a divorce. Grant me a divorce. Hey, grant me a divorce. And we say, we're never granting no one a divorce unless there's a necessity. For example, we always tell people, go to someone else, go to someone else, go to someone else. Advice is one thing, but you have to be careful judging how many people you say, hey, you're divorced. In reality, they're still married. 
Or you say, hey, you're still married. In reality, they're divorced. You have to be careful, Yechua. You have to be careful. Knowledge doesn't make you just, hey, ask me. You see many people are like, hey, any question you have? And they have their flowers. Hey, I use the water and the cup. It's too early, Anna. And alhamdulillah, I said, you are no jeep. You see, many people nowadays, I blame the women and I blame social media. Nowadays, people have flowers. Hey, hey, any question, ask me. Ask me whatever you wish. Hey, hey, ask me. Hey, hey. It's not like that, Ikhwan. If you have the honor to help somebody, help them. Alhamdulillah. But to pitch yourself out there like that, hey, hey, come to me. Come. Be careful, Ikhwan. And we're not saying you can't answer questions. If you can answer, answer. But don't rush. Don't rush. And don't be afraid to say, I don't know. Imam Shafi used to say, uh, He was asked a question and he was silent for a long time. Just sitting there, silent. So the questioner says, Ya Imam, mata, mata tatakallam. Ya Imam, when are you going to speak? He says, he would say, when I realize, is it better for me to talk or is it better to remain silent? They used to be afraid to answer questions. Not like today. Not like today, where the people rush and rush and the people are looking at your answer. You have to be careful. How many Imams people come to them? Ya Imam, Ya Imam! And whatever the Imam says, they're going to do it. That's dangerous, Yahuan. You have to be careful. Most of the people, you say, check this, Yahuan. Verify that. Go back and do the research. But I can have the Most of the people of today, you say, check this, do some research. Whatever you want to do. They don't do that. They wait for to see what the Imam is saying. What did the Imam say? Oh, what did that Imam, what did that Sheikh say? Hey, what did that student knowledge say? And whatever he says, they do it. And then their proof is, the Sheikh said, the Imam said, the student knowledge said, not Allah said, not the Prophet of Allah said, not the companions understood. No, Yaqwan. The average person does not verify. And I don't know why, I blame ignorance, and I blame my shaitan, and I blame laziness. We have everything we need in the Quran and the Sunnah, if you can do the research. Yes, it takes time to do research, and to get the books, and to dissect, and to get the Quran. Yes, I guarantee you, you appreciate it more. Look at the issues that you, بَحَتَّ anha بِنَفْسِكْ فِي الْكِتَابِ وَفِي السُنَّةِ وَبَحَتَّ Look at the issues that you did the research on. You looked into the Quran yourself. And you looked at the hadith. And you looked at the words of the, of, the, of the people of knowledge. Not just taking their opinions. But what did the shaykh base it on? I guarantee you have that knowledge you did that with. I guarantee you still have it. I guarantee it's with you. And wherever you travel, that knowledge goes with you. Now look at the issue that you just asked. Look at the issues that you contacted this sheikh or this imam or this student of knowledge. You didn't do no research. But you just said, hey, ya imam, ya sheikh, ya akhi. And whatever he said, you took it and ran. I guarantee you forgot those issues. Most of them. There's a difference, ya ikhwan, a benefit. Uqtubu hadhi fa'idah. Write this benefit down, ya ikhwan. Al-farqu bayna muhibbil ilmi wa talibil ilmi. Al-farqu bayna muhibbil ilmi there is a difference between the lover of knowledge and the student of knowledge. There is a difference between the one who loves knowledge and the seeker of knowledge. Muhibbul ilmi yanqati'u anil ilmi. 
حينا الى الاخر حينا الى الاخر the lover of knowledge he's going to seek knowledge for a time and then he's going to stop seeking knowledge then he's going to seek knowledge some more and then he's going to stop seeking knowledge then he's going to go to some classes then he's going to stop going to classes he's going to go to this lecture over here and then he's going to stop going to lectures محب العلم ينقطع عن العلم حينا الى الاخر the lover of knowledge is going to stop seeking knowledge from time to time he loves it she loves it but she's going to study for six months then she's going to take a break then she's going to study for another two months then she's going to take a break then she's going to take a year off then she's going to study some more then she's going to take six months off and she's going to study some more طالب العلم لا ينقطع عن العلم ابدا لا ينقطع عن العلم ابدا but the student of knowledge never stops seeking knowledge مهما كان يبلغ من العلم لا ينقطع عن العلم no matter what level he reaches big shaykh imam student of knowledge no matter what level allah allows him to reach he never stops seeking knowledge until Allah takes his soul. هذا الفرق بين محب العلم وطالب العلم. This is the difference between the lover of knowledge and the seeker. من يكرر and then we call that an equal. You can repeat. What's the difference between the lover of knowledge and the seeker? الفرق بين محب العلم وطالب العلم. محب العلم ينقطع عن العلم حين الآخر. حين الآخر. حين إلى الآخر. حين الآخر. we all have to put that in our hearts the lover of knowledge he loves knowledge but he's going to take some breaks he's not going to be consistent he's not going to be constant he's going to study knowledge for three months you see him in all the classes and then he takes a break and then he comes back for a month, and he takes a break. He's on vacation, he's taking a break. He's tired, taking a break. The student of the knowledge, the seeker of the knowledge, never takes a break. Even if all he has is five minutes, he learns one benefit. Tonight we did one benefit. We learned, well, from the book, we did one benefit. And then the rest was from ourselves. We did one thing. All you have is 20 minutes, no problem. قال الله تعالى والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خصم سبحانك أمو بهمدك طيب one benefit you have a half hour قال النبي عليه الصلاة والسلام إنما الأعمال بالنيات وإنما لكل من ما نوى من حديث عمر عند البخاري مسلم طيب you have five minutes an Arabic word أرسلا means to sin الحمد لله but you never stop seeking knowledge it's not about how long you study. No, it can be two hours, an hour, a half hour, ten minutes. It's not about how long you study. It's about you learn one thing. Or you review one thing. In our children's class today, the whole class. Or a little shit. You know, we missed you today. Tired. What did we do today, Ikhwan? All we did was recite. And then we learned one new word. Gasiqin means alay. Where Allah Ta'ala he says, Qin, this means the night time. That's all we learned. 45 minutes, we learned one word. And we gave him a dua that they already memorized, Alhamdulillah. If somebody says, How are you? And you say, Raditu Bilayu Rabban bil Islam Idina bi Muhammad and Nabiya. And we want you to say it all week, for example. They already knew that already. And we learned something else, Ikhwan. We learned three things in one hour. It's not about how long you, you learn your Ikhwan, it's about the consistency. You do it every day to the best of your life. If you do that, you're going to be great imams and scholars. And this will be hope for all of you. Some of our children, mashallah, the, the children, we love the children. If we can replace the brothers and sisters with all the children, we would do that. <laughs> I love the children, yes. Outside of getting them to sit down, that's the hard part from the boys. <laughs> getting them to sit. The sisters, are, mashallah, they're better than us, mashallah, yes. But the brothers here memorize so well. The sisters, mashallah. Right. And we love the brothers and sisters also, but there's something humbling about teaching children. 
It touches your heart more. When the boys recite, you can't hear these boys in this message recite unless you, you said tears. I guarantee you're going to cry. And then when the baby girls recite, you're going to cry more. Little Swahabi comes every class. May Allah bless this little Swahabi and his parents, his parents and his teachers, mashallah, and his imams. This little boy comes every class. May Allah reward him. And he helps me set up. He grabs the mic. He grabs our little table. He puts our table there. Allah, he plugs the, the, the thing. This little boy is eight years old, nine years old. He puts the table there, stands up, hits the button, cleans up your area. Manners, mashallah. The little baby girl, Hilal, they come, Khadija, they check on you every class. You okay, Yahi? Alhamdulillah. You need anything? These little kids are, are young, mashallah. Abdul Qadir is there. These are they some humble children, Ikhwan. They're bad. <laughs> Most of them. But they're humble. They have good manners. Mashallah, Tali Ikhwan. May Allah reward them and their families. Their parents are doing a tremendous job. And their teachers, Ikhwan. May Allah bless all the teachers at the, at the Islamic school. Our principal, Imam Fasih, Mu'allima Fasih. The teachers that are there from the women. Some of them we know, some of them we don't know. If we don't mention their names, we make dua for you also. And may Allah reward the children, Ikhwan. Today was humbling. Mu'allima Fasih gave them some homework. When they go to the car, and Ummi tasukuhum, or al ab yasukuhum, and Ummi is driving them, or their ab is driving them, or whoever is driving them, that they say, Jazakallahu khayran ya Ummi, anti tawasilani ila dars, wa tawasilani wa turajirani ila bayt, faqur jazakallahu khayran. And the Jameel Jibdin, the child he says, Ummi, may Allah reward you with good. You take me to class, and you take me home. And then we saw Habib and the little boys there, mashallah, implementing that. We said, Habib, don't forget your dua. He says, oh yeah, Ummi, jazakallahu khayran, anti tawasilani ila dars, wa turajirani ila bayt. And the khayr kadir. So alhamdulillah, sa'ani ikhwan. Hopefully in the future we can do more with the children, inshallah ta'ala. May Allah bless you. Bless you, ayah ikhwan. We read unto Advin, tafadda. Allah, Akbar, 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 Allah, Akbar,